Second Bananas is recorded on unceded indigenous land belonging to the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Unceded means that this land was never surrendered, relinquished, or handed over in any way. We support the various strategies that indigenous peoples use to protect their land and their communities, and we commit to working in solidarity with them. We acknowledge that as people living and working on these lands, we are accountable to those who have cared for this land since time immemorial. It is our intention to continue learning how to honor this responsibility. Hello, listeners. If you're just coming in on this app, you might want to go back and listen to the previous episode. It includes our intro to the topic of key players in the Russian Revolution, namely the second bananas Julius Martov, Leon Trotsky, and Joseph Stalin, as they relate to the top banana, Vladimir Lenin. And if you did listen last time, welcome back. It's so nice to have you. We now rejoin our discussions where we last left off, with Craig going over Leon Trotsky's contributions to the Russian Revolution. Enjoy! So by 1912, uh, Lenin has led the Bolsheviks to split from the RSDLP and form their own party at a conference in Prague. Um, attempts by Guys, Trotsky. we're going to form our own party. With hookers, <laughs> blackjack. It's going to be great. Party! <laughs> attempts by Trotsky to then reunite them um, to kind of unify and consolidate as opposed to uh, factionalize failed. Um, Trotsky's exiled from France for anti-war activities in 1916 and deported from Spain upon arrival. So he ends up in New York, uh, returning from New York to Europe. His ship is intercepted by the Brits and he's held in an internment camp in Nova Scotia, actually. Ooh, which is where he learned to play the spoons. <laughs> shout out Nova Scotia. Yeah, Nova um, Scotia, jailing communists since 1916. His time in a Nova Scotia internment camp, uh, a month which he refers to as one continual meeting, <laughs> like a good, like a good socialist organizer. <laughs> There's like that, that, like that meme that's like, um, uh, do praxis, go to jail, read theory, get out of jail, do praxis, go to jail. It's yeah. basically that. <laughs> totally. Well, that's, this is Trotsky's template, right? He even yeah. had a German, um, a German soldier who was imprisoned in the camp complain to the guards about him because awesome. he was, because he was so, um, uh, what was it? It was like he's such he was such an anti-patriot or he was so yeah. unpatriotic. He's like, get yeah. this guy out of here. He's yeah. too he's too he <laughs> hates he, countries. What the <laughs> fuck? I love my country. Who doesn't like their country? Uh I think that's awesome too, because I always think of like you think what I think of is like Martin Scorsese movies where the bosses are like running things from prison and it's just like it's the same thing. It's like oh, yeah. it's the same fucking thing. It's like these guys were just like, Oh, I'm in jail yeah. now. Well, I guess it's yeah. time to write my mind. Monium opus. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, thank you. I was like, I got six I was, months to write. <laughs> as I was reading this, it was like, it's like, damn, they exile these people a lot. And then it made sense to me. It's easier to exile them than put them in prison where they probably will just like, yeah, it makes it harder for them to get materials start back an in. uprising within the prison. Yeah. Or kill, like, even killing them. It's like they're so popular by this point. Like, if yeah. we kill this guy, they might riot like that's how bad it is right it's safer to like yeah yeah, okay in Stockholm he's still gonna be able to fuck around but like at least he can't fuck around the way he can like in a jail here yeah Yeah. I just thought it was funny it's just like oh exiled again it's just like oh wow yeah (laughs) you think they'd learn that that doesn't necessarily work (laughs) yeah but But, yeah you got better than imprisoning them yeah a few options yeah it's the problem with ideas they don't they don't die right exactly 
Um, so he was arrested and imprisoned again after a failed pro-Bolshevik uprising in St. Petersburg in 1917. Uh, this wasn't before the big one. Or, sorry, this was before the big one. Just before. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like, released, that's the thing. It's like these guys took like three or four tries to get it. A few kicks in the can there. You know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> He's released in the aftermath of a failed counter-revolutionary uprising 40 days later. So, <laughs> like, things are obviously fucking really complex. It's the fucking white there. army pricks. <laughs> Fuck around with them. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> we would have won, but those fucking guys were just on top of us right away. <laughs> It's like they hadn't finished their attempt at a revolution before God. we started to start ours. <laughs> Guys, can we do laughing. one revolution all together right now? That would be so nah, much nah, easier. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> so he hasn't, he's still failed to, uh, to join the Bolsheviks up to this point. Um, he has expressed agreement with them. Um, and as the Bolsheviks gain a majority. So what you're country, saying is he's a flip-flopper. Absolutely. He's a well, I think he's a dirty double do-gooder. No. He's a political pragmatist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a real John Kerry. <laughs> as as the Bolsheviks gain a majority in the Petrograd Soviet, he is elected chairman. Um, and him and Lenin have a de facto, if not expressed, reconciliation. I love that. I just like he comes into the Soviet and he's like, hey, it's like, hey, sup, bro. Sup, bro. Uh, <laughs> Do like a little handshake or whatever, be done with it. So he obviously plays a central leadership role in the November 7th and 8th uprising. Yeah. And from there held back counterattacks and presumed November games. or October. Oh, sorry. October. Oh, no, I think that's actually something yeah, I don't get to that. point out. No, they're well, they were using the old George, the 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 old calendar. There yes, were like two okay. calendars at this point. There was like we use the Gregorian or whatever, and there was also the other one, which I can't remember the name of. And the Russians, the the czar was using the old one because they were like, no, fuck you. We're like uh, monarchy classic. You guys are like new monarchy. <laughs> right, you don't like, use yeah. that fucking calendar. Um, and then so what happened time. was when they got power, they switched it over and all of a sudden everyone like lost a month. Yeah. <laughs> and then the dates are like even any any like any historian that uses this time period is like at the beginning of every book they're like so in this case i've used this calendar in this case i've used that calendar sorry if it confuses you but it confused me right. <laughs> like basically okay so, yeah. yes i was confused thank you for clearing that up um and instead of thinking of it as losing a month I prefer to think of it as contributing that month to the, the, the cause, revolutionary yes. cause. Don't think of it as losing right. a month. Think of it as gaining socialism. socialism. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah. So and so he held um, in his in his leadership role, which was basically as the head of the army, but he was the mm -hmm. commissar for foreign affairs um, in like his official title initially. But he played a central leadership and like tactical role in executing the actual revolution. So like yeah. defe defeating the the czarist forces to actually take over and the, and the white army. Bro, it's like then, a man for all seasons. And then in holding those gains against the counter revolutionary kind of uprisings yeah. that followed, which were persistent. Um, and then obviously moving forward, there's a civil war and a whole bunch of. Um, a whole bunch of battles that he oversees and um, I think handles quite deftly from a tactical perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, he also, you know, he also kind of makes this move, which I think a lot of other leaders question um, and right, some don't, right. but he makes this move of assigning 
old czarist um, um, officials in the Red Army because they're the people that know how how to, to run an army. Run an army. Yeah, that's like that's actually even, a consistent thing. I don't like. Th- there's like even going back to the French Revolution, like you see this pattern over and over again of like you know what you don't want to do when you've seized power is get rid of the army. Cause you know what those guys want to do? The only thing they know how to do is fight. And yeah. if you basically are like, okay, you can fucking go now. They're like, what We're do you mean fight. I can go now? You. I want to fight. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'm fighting you now. So exactly. like as much as like, whatever, that's kind of like, and obviously a lot of those guys, they didn't give a fuck. Like they were like, I will work for whoever. Lets whoever me the boss is. Yeah. yeah like, totally. Um, but like, at the same time, it's also like that was the downfall of the French Revolution was they trained all these soldiers and then they were like, well, we can't pay you guys anymore, so go home. And all of a right. sudden, there's all these fucking soldiers who can't afford to feed their family. And all of a sudden, all these people are like, hey, you know who's doing this? Fucking king. He's the reason you can't feed your family. And the soldiers are like, fuck, the king's the problem? Let's go, man. I got my gun. I still got my shit from the army. Let's fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all trained so, yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I really again and again they would have been looking to the French Revolution a lot for lessons. So like Oh, for sure. Unsurprising, you know. Um also during this time, he scandalizes um <gasps> European nations and the Tsarists by releasing secret treaty agreements that France, Britain and the Russian Tsar and Tsarists um had signed to basically ally against the revolutionary elements in in russia and just generally to kind of it was just really embarrassing for them that they these these powers that had this like nominal rivalry were actually just at an elite level conspiring against their population their own populations (laughs) he was Um, he was he was just like julian assange in that he leaked important (laughs) documents and he didn't wear a condom he is fuck (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) maybe condoms are around at this point but maybe not i don't remember but you guys get the joke i you all you all get the joke (laughs) a nice lamb skin maybe yeah (laughs) (laughs) lamb intestine and yeah i mean obviously the the kronstad rebellion is another kind of I wouldn't yeah. say highlight, but a flashpoint in um, in kind of Trotsky's reputation, where he is implementing basically some of the authoritarianism that he was decrying. Supposedly decries, yeah. Yeah, um, in order to maintain the gains of you know the Communist Party project. I mean, it kind of becomes like this. I mean, on one hand, like yes, like I think the easy thing to do is just to like at this point Eve Kronstadt is always the point where a lot of like whatever people who want to just totally dismiss the Soviet Union from like 19 whatever onward to be like yeah. oh they just sold their principles out or whatever but at the same time it's like I mean they were under the gun they knew that the the rest of the world was about to organize against them essentially um, they knew that they were going to be facing the combined like Lenin wrote you know Lenin wrote like imperialism the highest form of capitalism like years before this or whatever i think it was 1913 or something maybe i'm getting that date wrong but like they knew what was coming and they knew that like they were just like at the end of the day they were like okay to make this work yes we will sacrifice democracy and freedom 
to ensure like the larger picture in a certain sense. But that's, and again, like that also goes back to what we were talking about before of like, what do you do to maintain and win and and change the world, right? And when you're under siege, when you're besieged at all sides, do you just lay down and be like, okay, well, because we're not, you know, because we don't want to kill people because we're going to have to kill workers in order to fight back against this threat. We're just going to refuse to kill them and just lose. Yeah, totally. If that's the alternative, then Mm -hmm. what was the point of everything up until that point? It's definitely a tough situation and it really speaks to how the circumstances dictate morality, which is a big thing. I think, I think uh, Trotsky has a quote along those lines too. Um, If you want to understand the morality of a situation you need to look at the circumstances or something along those lines and uh and you know like i directed a film this weekend you know i was and i was having a thousand people asking me for decisions all at once and i made some bad ones (laughs) like not huge but like i made some bad ones and the worst is my film turned out pretty good overall so like you know you can make a few hard decisions that maybe aren't the ideal decisions or get you criticism or like you think about it, you think back and you're like, actually there was a better way out of that. I just didn't see it at the time. Yeah. Um, but like you kind of have to live with it and, uh, and you kind of have to make a decision. Like no, the worst exactly. thing to do would to be do, to do nothing. Right. Absolutely. And that's, that's an even worse problem. So like, and yeah. Tr- you know, Trotsky lived with it. He definitely didn't look back fondly on mm-hmm. the Kronstadt rebellion um, and what had to happen there. I don't think he, relished that experience no but it's like a reality of state power is that shit's gonna go down and you're gonna have to either preserve the power of the state or let it be diminished right and it kind of depends on what the crux what the essence of that uh, project is Mm -hmm. and whether it's noble or not um and you know the jury's still out as to whether you know, as, as the debate rages on, um, the jury's still out as to whether that project was noble or not. Yeah. I think at its essence, you know, the Marxist kind of root of it would seem to be noble. But yeah. the corruptibility of people, the corrupt, the, you know, the corrupting influence of power, and I think a lot of the people that were in the situation and the circumstances themselves dictated that shit needed to go down. Yeah, totally. And it did. Um, So in Lenin's last testament, he condemns Stalin and criticizes Trotsky. um, Kind of gives a little bit, I don't know, he basically throws both of them under the bus a little bit. But I think Lenin also knows that Stalin's probably going to take power. I mean, he was too sick to do anything. He He had requested that the party send money to Martov who was also sick at the time and Stalin blocked it. Like he couldn't even get Stalin to be like, just send some fucking money to Martov. Like, you know, like, and I think that's interesting also in like, I wonder if some of his, like, I wish we had Martov with us because he would have been another option to balance out Stalin's power. Yeah, exactly. Um, Absolutely. And, or even be like a figure that like, and again, like that Stalin would like, counterbalance Stalin in a way that Trotsky couldn't blah 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 but like yeah it's just like man of sitch <sighs> yeah so Trotsky's a vocal um uh critic in opposition of of Stalin um he decries 
the Stalinist project um, and the over-bureaucratization of government administration, uh, limitations of freedom for Russians under Stalin. Um, after Lenin is gone, uh, Trotsky's days in Russia are numbered because Stalin is not having any of it. Mm -mm. And um, so he loses his positions of military leadership. Um, in 1927, he's removed from the Politburo and exiled to Siberia again <laughs> and then from the soviet union entirely um where this time he goes to turkey first uh, mm. then to america and eventually to mexico uh, he stays with frida kahlo and her famous artist husband in mexico whose name escapes me but allegedly frida totally bangs trotsky <laughs> He, eyebrow eyebrow recognize mm -hmm. eyebrow i oh, guess yeah. like, eyebrow game recognize like, hey, eyebrow hey game. you know like i don't know if you just pointing they're pointing oh, at yeah. their foreheads like we gotta right like like if we gotta <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah it was eyebrow love at first sight yeah definitely totally um and then he was eventually assassinated he got um well it was an attempted assassination and the wound itself was the reason why, because it wasn't yeah. properly treated and it just kind of festered. And, you know, medicine wasn't really where it was, where it is these days. And so he eventually died. He was he murdered with an axe or an ice pick? I can't remember. An ice pick. Yeah. An ice pick. Ooh, what Such a way crazy, to go. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, man. I mean, totally dope, totally metal, but like not a fun way to die. <laughs> Definitely you know? metal, but like, no, just, especially since he was still alive for a while, like clinging sure, to life. Yeah. Make sure everyone knows my death was super cool. <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah. You can just see the assassin taking out that like little like ice pick. <laughs> sticking it in his head like wow like, no! yeah it's like you're like you're punching holes in paper you know yeah. not a clean death <laughs> uh, so to quickly kind of conclude the um the trotsky section another another contribution that he made to marxist theory was anti to anti-fascist marxism um and trotsky was a visionary in terms of seeing the threat of hitlerian fascism and nazism uh around the corner kind of as mm -hmm. it was as it was growing in the early 1900s and even earlier, but he was writing about it. He was telling people about it. He was warning people of it, saying that it needs right. to be resisted <clears throat> at all costs and, um, and abandoning some of his ideas of, uh, and, you know, Trotsky wasn't necessarily opposed to as vehemently opposed to um, like the left opposition or to, um, to liberalism per se, as long as everyone could get under the same tent and kind of yeah. work towards the um, work towards the revolutionary goal. But he did in response to the growing th threat that he saw in fascism in Europe at that time, kind of make a call out to listen, like we have to ally with everyone that we can to resist this, to shut it down because it is going to have implications across the world. If um, only so, the liberals had listened to him. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Instead, oh. they were like, no, we're going to shoot the other communists in the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, he adjusted um, or he kind yeah. of like recalibrated Marxist uh, theory around uh, anti-fascism 
and to... around his circumstances, like you said. I think exactly. really what we're exactly. seeing here is like he didn't he wasn't like that in Russia. He wasn't like we need to work with the liberals. Like they kind of like they were like fuck the Duma. He was all on board with that program. Mm-hmm. Like, which we oh, didn't yeah. really get into, but like then uh-huh. he comes to Germany, he's like, "Holy fuck! Like this is way worse than authority, like the uh, uh, orthodoxy, autocracy, and nationalism. Like this is something yeah. much more dangerous, and we need to shut it the fuck down." And yeah. nobody listened to him. Totally. A couple of key quotes from Trotsky: uh, "He who slanders the victim aids the executioner." Oh, that's think a, is good a good one. A good yeah. one. Uh, the pillars of Hercules of the United States are vulgarity and stupidity, which oh, I wow. think is pretty funny. Vulgarity, yes. <laughs> That's like, that kind of reminds me of that Julius Nyerere quote. Uh, America is a one-party system, but with typical American extravagance, they have two, they have of, two them. of them. Yes. <laughs> delicious, delicious. And so, yeah. the last one uh, from Trotsky, um, if you cannot convince a fascist, acquaint his head with the pavement. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, <laughs> Trotsky. Wow. You fucking rule. I think it's pretty badass. Um, but yeah, Quaint his was, head with an ice pick. Yeah. That that brings us up to, yeah, I guess the end of Trotsky's <laughs> life. But enter Josephine Stalin. Oh. We share um, a name. Wanna... <laughs> Joseph fucking Stalin. Take it away, That's Wes. Right. Joseph Stalin, born Yoseb Jugashvili. In 1978, he was the only child. Well, I'll say he's the only child that made it past infancy uh, to his parents, Basarian and Ekaterine. Um, what, what was his dad's name? Uh, Basarian. 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 Besto. What a great name. Uh, he went he by known. Beso. Yeah. yeah. Beso. Nice. Yeah. I've also seen Vesarian, which I guess is like maybe it's just odd. a different. Yeah, yeah it's pronunciation just like the way from they a different B's and V's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yes, Besso, he was a shoemaker and a raging alcoholic, from what I heard. Uh, who would the, often the best kind of dad, <laughs> yeah, one that works best... with heavy tools oh, and is drunk. And as yeah. we will see, he passed on his best dad qualities onto Stalin. Oh we will boy! Learn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he was a he was an alcoholic that would often beat his wife and son. Um, whenever he was around, which thankfully was not that much because he was often just off making boots for the Russian army. Um, but despite his lack of a father, young Stalin was was uh, quite the intellect. Uh, he learned to speak um, Russian and a number of other languages in addition to his um, Georgian language, which is it George? Yeah. Was it Georgian. in its own language? Okay, it's, yep. the, it's George. The Georgian <laughs> language is just called George. He just, he speaks speaks George? George. Yeah, I speak George. Yeah, Don't worry. <laughs> so yeah, he's very good with languages. And um, he, in his hometown of, of Gori, uh, which was a small town, it was a pretty rough town. There were like lots of street ball, street brawls were pretty common occurrences. And there were, there also, I think this was just throughout Soviet Union. They still had, had public executions um, from now and again. And young Stalin was witness to one of these such executions, a hanging at a young age. Um, and it traumatized him and is said to have played quite a prominent role in his hatred of the Tsarist regime. So from a young age, he hated those stars. Um, but yeah, when he, he was young, he went to church school. He went to a seminary where um, he did very well in school. He graduated two years early in 1894. And that's when he started becoming uh, less interested in 
uh, kind of the teachings of the Bible, even though he went on to go to seminary school. Um, and he became more interesting in the writings of Marx and Engel and, and kind of the, the communist writings um, that we've kind of touched on earlier. Um, so yeah, he, he started joining these underground uh, kind of Marxist groups, and he soon declared himself an atheist and a Marxist and joined the Damn, RD, just went RSDLP. for it right away, the, the, the trifecta. Yeah, Marxist <laughs> the atheist. The difecta, the doof, I don't know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they didn't like that at his seminary school, so he was uh, eventually oh, expelled. He was in <laughs> seminary school, he was like, fuck y'all, this shit sucks. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> It's like, why am I even here? Bye. <laughs> I don't like, I don't I don't like of either of the things you guys like. God yeah. and the czar. I hate those fucking things. Yeah. Don't even know why he was there in the first place, but left that behind him. Um, and soon after leaving that, uh, he he adopted this kind of the name. He he likes to give himself names, I'm finding. He doesn't he doesn't let other people nickname him. He's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna call myself this. Yeah. So one of the nicknames he gave himself uh before Stalin. Because that that wasn't his given name, we learned. But he started calling himself Koba, which was right. from I forget the name of the novel. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, one of his favorite novels was the protagonist was this Robin Hood type guy, um, and his name was Koba. So he liked he he kind of idealized himself. Oh, you mean uh, he didn't get person. it from from Planet of the Apes? Co Wait, Koba. Koba is, is that... the name of the 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 uh, um, the smart one. The fucking Wait. no, the mean one that the that uh, uh, the that uh, what's his name has to like uh, right. Cornelius Caesar or whatever Caesar. has to like just smack down so he does what he's told. Uh, yeah, that's no, why people. I yeah, that. like I, I don't. That must be intentional. There's no way that's <laughs> not intentional. I, I think it you is. Know? I mean, so, it makes sense, yeah. but uh, I I forgot that ape's name. Um, apes together, strong. <laughs> together, strong diamond hands um so yes uh he nicknames himself koba and he starts organizing um strikes and he starts writing for socialist newspapers and he becomes a decent orator and starts making some somewhat inspiring revolutionary speeches i don't think he he's was the quite most on dangerous the animal known to man a smart jock <laughs> was he a jock i mean basically he picked on nerds <laughs> i guess i don't know it's hard to say <laughs> He was by the end, for sure. Yeah, oh, definitely by the end. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and uh, the gulags were his lockers. Oh, yeah, man, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's probably not on the level of Lenin or Trotsky with his speeches, but he's, he's you know, getting a following. He's getting his name out there. People are starting to recognize him. Um, so he gets arrested and imprisoned, um, which oh, happens no, quite a bit to him. Say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the first time he gets arrested, um, he smuggles an ounce into the joint and sells it for twice the price. Yeah, baby. No, that would be, that sounds like a racket he'd be into. He <clears throat> yeah. does a lot of illegal shits, but I think in 1901, the reason he's arrested is cause he, yeah, he started a, um, an oil strike. He or, yes. He, he organized like an oil strike. Uh, which got I'm him reading arrested. reading off Wes's document. Thank you. I was like, where was I? Um, but yes, he was basically doing this because uh, he had re he relocated from from Gori to Batumi, and that's when um, the RSDLP started like encouraging him to like stir things up and create some arrest. And yeah, so he he starts the hey, gets the hey, oil workers. That's to strike. Stalin guy. He's fucked up. 
We should get him to do some fucked up shit for us. Yeah, it's a good idea. He'll pretty much do anything. Like <laughs> He'll do anything we tell him, as long as it's fucked up. I, I mean, I feel like that's exactly how is how Lennon like approached him. Yeah. Oh, for sure. To be like, hey, buddy, you want to go do that crazy thing? Everyone's scared. Oh, to you do? know what? It's for the revolution. You know what I heard? The czar hates. I heard he hates it when we steal from his banks. What? The czar fucking hates the stealing from his banks? We got to steal from his banks, buddy. Come on, let's go. <laughs> get the guns. Get that shit. Oh, man. So steal from we'll all the banks. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure where he made his most infamous bank robbery, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, he definitely did some robbing of banks to secure funds for the RSDLP. Um, so yeah, he's, he's arrested for his oil strike that he organizes and he spends 18 months, um, in jail in Siberia or no in jail. And then he's deported to Siberia. I don't know how long he's exiled there this time, but he'll be exiled there again. Um, because over the next 12 years, he gets arrested six more times. Each time he managed to escape and somehow find his way back, uh, Russian land. And usually it's on forged documents that he makes it Mm -hmm. back there, but I'm sure he had help along the way too. So in 1913, uh, the last time he's arrested, he gets deported to the most remote and inhospitable region of Siberia, where he spent four years. And it's thought that these years Mm -hmm. kind of really hardened him, hardened him and and kind of attributed to his, his cynical nature of humanity. And he does have quite a cynical nature. I do, I do think like you can't look at Stalin without realizing like he was like, what if people come back and do all the shit I did to them to me? Like that's kind of like oh yeah, like Such like a traumatized it, dude who's one hundred percent. Yes, yes, no, yeah, one hundred percent agree. Like yeah, um, he's like honestly like as fucked up as he is. Like think about how he where he lived, how he was raised, like all the stuff yeah. that he went through. He was and, surrounded like, by violence. Um, get been, or be got. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like I just think like and obviously like at the end he was clearly like clearly at the point where he was just so paranoid and like unable to sort of like um do yeah. do much beyond just like worry about who was coming for him, you know. It's just like indulges in his own paranoia. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, and it just got worse. And I think like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like it's funny that it's like the last time he was arrested was in 1913. He was then he was then sentenced to Siberia for four years until the revolution happened. And that's why he was never arrested again. <laughs> because he was now the He was now the boss. He now did the arresting. Talk yeah, about your get out of jail free card. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is essentially what happened. Um, but yes, the these four years in, in this harsh Siberian prison is is said to have changed him a bit. Um but in 1906, so this is prior to that, he marries his first wife, Kato Svenise. Svenise. Well, thank you. Um, and they they have a son, Yakov, um, which Stalin mostly ignores for uh, his entire life because he's usually off stirring up some shit somewhere to 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 further the revolution effort. Is that uh, the son that that shows up in the death yes, of Stalin? Yes. Oh, yes, I think yeah. it is. Oh, well, I haven't Great seen that movie. I don't want to get. It, oh man, yeah, I don't, might not be that son. He had a lot of kids apparently. So like, no, his yes. son. His son is one of the people in the death of Stalin, and it's that is a fucking fantastic movie. Uh, Armando yeah. Iannucci, the guy that did Veep and in the thick of it, just like. Everybody should watch that fucking movie. Uh, yeah, my mom actually told me to watch it not too long ago, but I haven't, I have not, I should have watched it for this. It's that also a classic Armando Iannucci in that it starts really funny and it just gets more demented and dark until it ends on the most 
darkest and sickest note possible, which is just like, that's the kind of movie I cherish. So yeah. That nice. sounds up my alley. Okay. I'll yeah. definitely check it out. Uh, yeah. So he marries Kato um, and they, they have a son a year later, but Koba and Kato. Great, great TV show. <laughs> Uh, but Cato dies just a year later in 1907. Oh um, man, that's brutal. And this this also doesn't doesn't help Stalin's nature die? at all. What happened? Um, she how did she die? I actually don't know how she died. I do not have that. I remember right, I remember well, watching it and being like, she's just dead now. That that it would be interesting know, to know, know if she died it, of like natural causes or if she died of like a reason that made him whatever. But. So I know how his second wife dies, which is more interesting. But <laughs> more, sorry, no, I don't uh, know how this wife interesting. dies. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she dies through natural or unnatural causes. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Uh. But for they, all they, we know, she just materially dissolved into the ether. We don't. Yeah. Know. The thing I do know is that this um, did not have a good effect on Stalin. At her funeral, uh, he's quoted as saying, this creature softened my heart of stone. She has died, and with her have died my last warm feelings for humanity. Um, kind of seems this is not true. like the ideal guy to lead a revolt of the people. I don't, <laughs> no. I don't know. If you don't have any warm feelings for like, I get that you have to be realistic about what people are like, but like... Mm, yeah mm. maybe you're not the guy to lead lead a people's rebellion i don't know or maybe you are maybe that's what you need i don't know she got sick okay and she got sick yeah that's probably why i didn't write it down because it was like oh she got sick and died (laughs) yeah she (laughs) she was it's according to this article it was the warm climate isolation and the stress of worrying about Yugoslavia, um, no, okay. worrying about Stalin because he was off gallivanting doing revolutionary things, and so she was all right. twisted up about it. Right. Even so, when he's trying not to kill people, he kills them. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's trauma, you know. Trauma yeah, totally. works in subtle it ways. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and if you're worrying that much, you're probably not taking care of yourself either, right? No, exactly. So definitely not. Um, but yeah, so Stalin not not a real fan of humanity at this point <laughs> so uh which is yeah that's is probably going to foreshadow because he he does dispense his fair share of misery upon humanity before his death does he does he really or is mm-hmm. that just fucking bullshit capitalist mm-hmm. propaganda west it, it might me. be it might you be i could me. have been i could have dug this up on the, <clears throat> the propaganda section of the internet <laughs> west is just researching everything off prager you <laughs> <laughs> So at what point did they make a phone call to Hitler and come up with their strategy for destroying all of Europe? Yeah. Um, when did they decide to cancel Winston Churchill and how did they do it? <laughs> yeah. Did, did, did all these, do all these facts about Stalin care about our feelings? At yeah, all? that's yes. important. They do not. They do not. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh. I just Sounds like a radical leftist plot to destroy America. <laughs> Uh, so in the coming years, Stalin becomes uh, increasingly paranoid about the agents in his mist. He like will have much in 1906 of after she dies. Yes, well, oh he's becoming God. he's becoming more paranoid. Yes, yeah. so like in the coming years, this is probably around 1910 or something. He has um, 
he has much of Cato's family executed uh, just because he doesn't trust them and he thinks they might be spies. Um, this includes her brother, Alexander, who is the one who first introduced them. Uh, so <sighs> wow. real cool, real cool guy. And in 1911, Stalin fathers another son, Constantine. This guy makes Nikolai Bauman look like Leon Trotsky. <laughs> uh, this time it's with his landlady. Um, and it said that That's Constantine... the ultimate socialist revenge. Yeah. yeah. Fucking your landlady. Getting <laughs> her pregnant. The ultimate brocialist oh revenge. That's probably what he was thinking the whole time. It was really getting him off. Every every R Chapo Trap House poster dreams yeah. of doing what Stalin did. And that day the dirtbag left was born. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, will so, come up and do a revolution. Maybe, you know, <laughs> let's trim the rent. I'm gonna use that I'm now. I'm gonna revolution. say that to my wife. You wanna you go wanna to bed come and do and a revolution? Start the revolution. Wait, you're not my land. whatever. Delightful. Uh, so yeah, so now he's got two sons, none of which see him ever. Um, and uh, this is around the time that the uh, RSDLP splits into the, the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks. Um, Lenin, of course, leading the Bolsheviks, who Stalin is an admirer of. And so he's like, yep, I'm, that's my group joins the Bolsheviks. <laughs> like he just comes like Lenin's like, it's all gone down. And Lenin's like fucking having a smoke outside. Just be like, <laughs> Stalin comes up. He's like, hey, big fan of your work. I'm on your side. <laughs> I'm with you. Solidarity. Lenin's just like <sighs> Yep. That's all he says. It's just like that's all they needed to say. Alliance formed. <clears throat> um yeah. yeah, at this point Lenin had heard of Stalin, but I don't think he really thought too much of him. Um, but he did like the way that Stalin was able to raise funds for the Bolsheviks through all his illegitimate means. Namely, raise funds. Like he yeah, was throwing mixers and them. fundraisers. <laughs> he was like, exactly. No, yeah. He's mostly breaking legs and uh, killing people in his robberies and kidnappings. Tony <laughs> Sopranoing it basically. Yeah. yeah. The protection racket is great. Yeah. It's just like, he's just shaking people down. <laughs> hey, um, you don't pay me yeah. money. I can't do a revolution. Yeah, what do I care? He's like, I can't do a revolution. Okay, okay, do revolution. Here's my money. And I essentially feel like that's how it was. Um, but yeah, this uh, Lenin took note of him for for the way he could raise money and mm -hmm. called him the wonderful Georgian, specializing in expropriations. Exactly. And yeah, after after kind of you know getting getting the attention of Lenin, that's when. That's when Stalin adopts the name Stalin, and and then right. that's when he be, kind of becomes. I'm no longer. Uh, I'm no longer Cato, or I'm no longer Koba. I'm Stalin. Stalin. I keep changing names, man. I just. <laughs> anyone else have a problem with me calling myself Stalin? Nope. 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 All right. It's called the rebrand. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> and quite the rebrand too, as, as you uh, probably know. I'm sure Stalin literally translate to like. Man of Steel. Man of Steel, yeah. So he's wow. there. You go. That's and quite somehow so someone brought a Superman yeah, comic exactly, to right? Russia, and he was like, "Whoa, <laughs> this guy fucks." <laughs> uh, so yeah, great rebrand. Um, the people of Russia had been growing increasingly displeased with uh, the Tsar ruler. This at the time was Nicholas II. Increasingly displeased. Mm -hmm. That's, That's a good a nice way, way to put of putting it. it. We are displeased with you, sir. And yeah. our displeasure is growing. Yeah, because 
he was not even like right from his get-go nicholas was a pretty shit czar and that's from a long line of shit czars probably according to yeah. the Soviet well, his people. big problem was he he wasn't he he just didn't have balls like his 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 dad and his grandpa were like mean bastards but they knew how to keep a country in line and he right. both like wanted to be loved and be the guy who got to call the shots he Agreed. was so cowardly he couldn't fire people to his to their faces you'd mm. have tea with him and everything would be fine and then you'd <laughs> go home and you'd get a letter saying you were fired Fire. that's how much Amazing. of a coward he was he is pretty cowardly um yeah uh, in somewhat of his defense i'll say that his father he died like at 49, I think very unexpectedly and suddenly. Yeah. yeah, He was like, just like, and he was kind of a playboy before that. He was kind of just like Mm -hmm. a guy who just fucked around. Right. So he was just totally unprepared to like take on the mantle of leadership and then proceeded to completely fuck it up every step along the way. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, this is another, we could do a whole episode on, uh, on his wife as well. I think it would be interesting to compare that compared them both to like Louis the 16th or the 17th or whoever and Marie Antoinette because mm. there's like a similarities and key differences that really make it interesting so yeah mm. yes yes um so yeah so things are, are not going in World War One Russia no. loses like a ton of land to Germany there's food shortage there's famine there's widespread unrest throughout the country and protests and strikes um, kind of just keep growing in intensity over the next few years until on March 15th, 1917, um, Nicholas kind of like agrees Revolution to step down. declared. Yeah. And yeah. and they, they perform this provisional government. Is that, and is this the same thing as the, what is the du? The What's Duma? That? No. Yeah. The is, Duma this is not was the Duma. before that. The Duma okay. was more like a An parliament. Effort. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the problem with that was. Was to like legitimize some sort of a parliamentary or like liberal yeah to sort of give some concessions in order to make sure that revolution didn't happen the problem was every time they did it nicholas was like i don't like this i'm dissolving it (laughs) right and (laughs) what's even the point of having this new provisional government if you're you can still veto everything they say (laughs) well you know to give the people the illusion that they have control but he wasn't good at keeping the illusion up unfortunately right not so good no and he was like again like this was the last sort of like during the during the french revolution like catherine was sort of like seen as the last bastion of like of like god-given like monarchy like every other sort of like dynasty had to at least make concessions to all these like like nationalist revolutions and stuff like that and like give them you know sort of give these middle class people a bunch of say in how land was distributed and government and how they could make money and let them sort of like bust into new markets and still oppress the peasants of course but like they were sort of like the the romanov dynasty was like the last true like autocracy in Europe, or at least it was seen that way for a long time, right? It was seen mm. as sort of the standard bearer of like divine right. So that was mm. kind of like a whole mm-hmm. thing. So. Right. Yeah. Well, in any case, in 1917, it all came crashing down. No, no more Romanovs. The Mensheviks are now running the country. Yeah. Martov's like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Only I yeah. wish my buddy Lenin was here with me. Go. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, So Stalin, who had been in exile in Siberia uh, during this revolution, he makes his way back to Petrograd and um, 
he takes over as editor of one of the prominent Bolshevik newspapers. Yeah, actually, I did. I did have in my thing um, that the expropriations, uh, Martov was not a fan of those. He was very opposed to those. Yeah, as was Trotsky. uh, Yeah, and he wrote a big pamphlet about it that was denounced by not only Lenin, but Kotsky as well, which is very interesting. Mm. So it's interesting that Kotsky was cool with bank robberies, but not like full communism (laughs) kind of thing. Yeah, a line could divide us. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so yes, Lenin, um, he he was like essentially the primary opponent of the Mensheviks. So um, mm-hmm. Stalin kind of helped keep him in hiding. And I think uh, took him to Finland um, kind of like to lay low for a while. Um, and while that was going on, um, or sorry, when he, when he comes back, then Lenin, he calls for an uprising to kind of overthrow the Mensheviks and his supporters are kind of like hesitant and kind of like trying to persuade him not to go through with it or maybe wait until they can maybe uh have some better planning or or line things up but he thinks lenin's kind of like no we have to make this happen sooner rather than later he saw what was happening which was actually that martov was martov was the one who wanted to to sort of um uh he was always very left he was very like he was trying to reconcile with the bolsheviks because he kind of saw what was coming and also um, but also at the same time, he was sort of both like he actually criticized the rest of the Mensheviks for working with the provisional government. He didn't want them to do that. Um, mm. But he kind of so he kind of became marginalized in the sense that like uh, he was like he was like, we need to get everyone together. And both the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks were like, mm. and then but he was also kind of willing to unite with the Social Democrats. So then Trotsky denounced him. Um, it was the problem. It was like a huge mess. And I think Lenin kind of saw that and was like, well, now or never boys seize the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, that that's when Lenin gets, gets Trotsky to, to, to send in his troops and, and they do, they take, they take back Petrograd. And mm-hmm. that's the thing is I think they, they knew better than the Mensheviks, like where the sources of power were and how to, how to retake like control, even if they were a minority at the time. Um, oh, for sure. And taking control yeah. of the military in such a deft manner as well yeah, was, was absolutely instrumental in that. Yeah. So I think they definitely owe Trotsky for that win. Um, his, his tactics probably played in big. Um, but so Lenin's back in power now and he installs a new government. But a lot of the people are still not down with it. So civil war breaks out and <gasps> that's no good. Um, so yeah, lots of fighting, lots of dying. Uh, but during this time, Stalin, he gets sent to protect the city of Saracen, Saracen um, which would later be renamed uh, Stalingrad in his honor. Um, and I think, yeah. That that's place where... is just like one, like if you dig deep enough, it's just like mass graves. Everywhere from like from well, like we, yeah <laughs> basically like the the 1800s to like oh, really? 1950s oh. like just well because it's like it was also the big the, that was where the russians kind of like held back the germans and well yeah for sure that's so. like i mean they basically 
it's like oh the germans have so much like military might oh well we have bodies that we can yeah. just we like, can... absorb all their bullets <laughs> the with Ger- the germans have a meat grinder and we have meat <laughs> choke the meat grinder guys yes. like, more meat essentially more what meat. it is and it's it's ridiculous like yeah. i mean stalin's disregard for human life much have just been crazy it's i mean that, what else were the russians gonna do defeated like, the Nazis. I, yeah, yeah it was the one way right well, they it were worked. Pinned, i mean like they, the they only surrendered but yeah yeah well that's fuck that fuck that <laughs> yeah that's, that's pussy shit man come on <laughs> that's some pussy shit uh but yeah instead millions of them died but <laughs> uh so lenin he's he's on top um and Stalin, I mean, Stalin and Trotsky are not really getting along at this point. Uh, they would frequently clash, um, and Trotsky was a superior. Uh, so Stalin, not always kind of, that didn't sit well with him. Um, at one point, he arranged for transport for a bunch of Trotsky's like uh, supporters and advisors, but he placed them all on a leaky barge, which I assume that he put the leaks there himself or ordered like, people to. And I, yeah, the barge sank on the way there. You have and they to all respect Stalin's baller shit. He is just like, he always has like the best, like that's like, that's awful, Flex. but that's like great. You know, yeah. it's like the same thing when like he recriminalized homosexuality, which was a fucking awful thing to do uh, in the Soviet Union. But like this Scottish mm. communist wrote him being like, Here's all the reasons why this doesn't make sense. Like, you know, we are human. We deserve rights, blah, blah, blah. And Stalin just Stalin just wrote on it, idiot and degenerate archive for future. And just like gave it to his archivists. It's just like, that sucks, but that's like a pretty baller. Like I, that's a pretty baller way to like deny he's, someone. He's just deadpan. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, brute. Sneaky, yeah. sneaky play. Um, so Stalin keeps, he's gaining more support from Lenin. Um, despite like using a lot of these, you know, sneaky or, or very harsh methods to kind of maintain order within the country. Um, and it isn't until Lenin was like on his deathbed that he revealed in light writing that he was starting to be a little mis- mistrusting of Stalin and his methods. Um, and he had actually suggested, well, to, I'm going to die now. So he can't kill me. If he kills me, it'll yeah, be a release. Can they kill me worse than I'm <laughs> now I feel die. safe saying he's bad. <laughs> oh, right. But yeah, yeah, it did seem like you mentioned like he was softening a bit. So he was like, yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to find somebody else to to replace Stalin because he's becoming pretty ruthless. Um, but that never happened because after Lenin's death, Stalin I mean, took it upon himself to be. It did happen eventually, but they actually got someone worse in the long run. <laughs> for yeah. after Stalin, the or? guy that the guy that the guy that basically turned the Soviet Union capitalist by like fucking uh yeah khrushchev not Kru- yeah khrushchev oh khrushchev oh, okay yeah yeah i have some guys I have heard about this time though that um you know like the russian people um by and large which were by no means united in their in what they wanted in terms of leadership mm-hmm. but that a lot of them would defer to the like closest thing to a czar totally. in lieu the, of a czar the toughest, so like guy. show us the, so show us that. the strong man like yeah. right we need and to that's... fill this vacuum we need to feel safe and secure with a like magnanimous czar like figure well, the one thing that's going to protect us yeah the one thing mm-hmm. that the soviets could never crush was the or the, the church 
like, and the church was like a source, especially for peasants. Right. And like for a lot of the population was like, it was a source of like the one thing that stayed the same, you know? Yeah. And I think like that plays into that whole, like, we need a strong man. We need a patriarch kind of feel. That's literally what they call their priests is patriarchs. Yeah. Like they, like, <laughs> right. you know, like the Russians have a huge or did have a huge daddy complex. I mean, you know, it's, it happens in a, a patriarchal society. Um, you can't help yourself. You just you need a daddy. <laughs> you just you gotta can't have help a daddy. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it's so weird because yes, thinking of thinking of all the imagery of Stalin, and it's like yes, he is this like powerful, towering like authority figure. Um, that's like all propaganda. Stalin yeah. was five oh, yeah. four was and had like guy. a crippled arm. Yeah, because he was like yeah. run over by a carriage when he was a boy. <laughs> well, and the like the icon worship and the um you know raising up the individual is yeah. so counter to like fundamental marxist ideas right but it's it's like a different it's it's almost not related to marxism but this also goes right. to the uh -huh. deeper issue of like bringing marxism about and like there was another thing that like they said like when when the when they started taking over and when they the revolution really started getting going there would be pogroms against Jews that were like, quote unquote, Marxists. They were getting rid of the capitalists because Jews were seen as like money grubbers and like the owners. Right. And it's the like, wealthy. And yeah. it, it wasn't like this thing of like, it was workers. Sometimes it was workers rising up against mm -hmm. owners and that just happened to be Jewish. And sometimes it was like, oh yeah, that Jewish guy that sold mm -hmm. me my horse, sold me that horse. Fuck him. Yeah. I want his other horses. Or it was yeah. even just like, like, you know, it's just like, they had to and to their credit like the 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 red army did like try to like they trotsky especially did all this work to counter anti-semitism and sent people out to be like you know the jews aren't really a problem like as long as they're workers like us they're actually our allies and it didn't always work and sometimes it did but like um you can't help the way especially as a revolution gets going the way weird things transfer and it's like same with cult of personality like it happened in mao's case too right and Maybe they didn't even want it at first. Maybe that was something they just thought thought they had to do to keep power, and then it exactly right. It's like, like well, we kind of need this like carrot to dangle in front of people on mass to keep them like around our cause. Even right? fucking Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. it's the same way. There is like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't say it's the Big same time. as like like Mao or anything, but there's a cult of personality around that guy. Like look at the look on his face when that late, that girl showed him the tattoo she had of him. He was just like super disappointed grandpa, but like he's also as a politician aware that that's, that's, that helps him. Right. In a yeah, certain he's way. He's also the furthest thing from even a socialist that totally, I probably yeah, think of, yeah. <laughs> but what are you talking about? He talked to Fidel <laughs> Castro. He praised Fidel Castro. He's a total super communist. <laughs> He's basically Joseph Stalin 2.0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Shorter and with a weaker arm. Yeah. And Jewish. <laughs> and Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. And he's only killed like two people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's Hillary interesting point. and Bill Clinton. No. It's like people think that what Stalin did with Russia. Well, I'll talk about this at the end. But anyway, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's get through this. Um, so yeah, after Lenin's death, there's like a bit of a vacuum, a power vacuum that opens up. Um, and now Stalin's main opponent is Trotsky because uh, everyone would be like, well, Trotsky is probably going to be the next guy to, to take things up. He's, he's the military guy. Um, 
so Stalin has the idea. He, he starts pitting Trotsky's like supporters and advisors against him. I don't know. I don't know how he does this, but he seems to cleverly do it because um, basically they're the That's ones interesting that, too, though. Did he actually put them against each other or were they already against each other? And he that, just that took the be, credit. Yeah. That's like, that well, is the hard part, yeah. both about like Stalin as a person is like, all we get about him is either like propaganda that hates him or propaganda that loves him. And the two sort of like, we're in an arms race to, to, to win. Right. And right. it's your like, eyeballs. Yeah. yeah it's like, <laughs> it's like, whatever. I don't, I don't want to be that guy, that fucking guy who's like, Oh, Stalin sucked. Like he was like a monster and there's no redeeming qualities. Cause like, I don't also don't feel like apologizing yeah, for him. I don't feel like saying like he was, he was <laughs> actually a to. great guy that like did nothing wrong. And like, yeah, he killed those people, but someone had to die. Like, you know, it's just like shit was fucked up, but yeah. Um, but that including him. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. I think that he, if nothing, he was very good at manipulating people. Yes. Totally. Um, so I think that that might've been his greatest asset because mm -hmm. he, I think he did, it is probably something, something like you said, like he, they might've already had some, some whatever cracks in their foundation that maybe I, he just brought to I light. I think there and, is a comparison to Trump to be made in the sense of like part of his manipulation was not necessarily that he was aware of it. Like he, he was, he, he has like an animal cunning in a way. And I don't mean that in a, like he was dumb or anything like like there's like a certain kind of guy who usually is like a bit rough or like unmannered or whatever, but has but, great instincts and has great instincts. And, and once he finds something that works, he'll use it until it stops working. And it, I do feel like there's a bit of that in Stalin and that that's kind of what Trump, and it's like part of the, part of the, the, the charm is that he's so obvious and he just does it and, and doesn't like, apologize for it and doesn't yeah. even try to hide it. Totally. He, yeah. Basically it is what you've like, he does what you, what it says on the tin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no, there's directed. nothing more to it. It's, Stalin, it's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> just look at the directions. Murder, yeah. murder, murder, <laughs> genocide, murder, starvation, no, <laughs> hot daughter. Uh, starvation <laughs> uh, anyway yeah yeah um so in 1919 stalin marries his second wife neds nedzia ned nedjezda ned thank you ned there's a Dezhda. lot of nedjezdas actually nedjezda uh, yeah um and they have two kids vasily and svetlana yeah i'm pretty sure it's vasily who and svetlana who were in um oh, okay the movie so yeah Yes. So I don't know actually what becomes those two, but they probably also didn't really talk to their dad much. I imagine Stalin wasn't around too much to help rear them. Um, and especially if they suspect of, of foul play with what happened to their mother, because mm. <laughs> um, in 1932, I'm jumping ahead. This is like uh, 12, 13 years later. Um, uh, the couple's hosting like a dinner party and they get into a heated ar argument and they've been known to argue and they, they, this is probably not at a good point in their marriage. They probably like had a lot of, a lot of, uh, signs that, that this marriage wasn't, wasn't the best. Um, no. so at this dinner party, they get into an argument and Stalin just humiliates her in front of the guests. He's like flicking cigarette butts at her. He's just 
call, calling her names. Jesus just, Christ. Not even calling her names, just referring to her as, hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate name. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so things were very bad with him. And then the next morning after this party, um, Ned, 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 Nedjezda. 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 His wife. His second wife. You. Hey, you. Yeah. Hey, you. That's why he did it. He couldn't pronounce it. He got too drunk. He couldn't pronounce it anymore. Yeah. Um, in any case, the next morning, she's found dead with a gunshot wound to her head. Don't know Damn. who did it. Oh, I hate it when a woman Damn. dies of natural causes. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. All right, Yosef. Yeah. Oh, like, man. Uh, like, it's Easy just now. like, like not even like, not even like she was found, like she suffocated in her sleep or like, you know, so it's just like, just found dead, gunshot wound to the head. We don't know what happened. Don't know. We don't want to know, basically. Like, but yeah, something tells me that might have soured his relationship with Vasily and Svetlana, if mm. he ever had one with them. Mm. Uh, yeah, so now um, with his wife dead, I think uh, he... Oh, yeah, and Trotsky's out of the picture, too. So he's got, he's got no one tying him down anymore. Mm. Um. So now he consolidates power and he's not even in a prominent position. I don't think at this time, it's not a very prominent right, position, right, yeah. but he, he like uses it to his advantage and he makes it a powerful position. Cause mm -hmm. I think he's like, is he secretary general or something like that? Something, something like that. He's not, he's not like a president or a military leader. Well, like you said, he was already the one using kind of the bureaucracy and like, mm -hmm. like sort of taking that, czarist bureaucracy and making it like soviet bureaucracy and then using it to sort of like stymie his opponents which yeah. again he kind of picked that up from lenin a little bit yeah like, sure. totally. lenin was great at manipulating rules to his advantage. exactly yeah um so very much so and now now he can he can basically he has free reign now he doesn't really have any any people challenging his authority mm -hmm. and he uses that <laughs> so um as as de facto leader now he rolls out like these he has three five-year plans that he intends to industrialize russia and that's really like the driving force there. he thinks that russia needs to industrialize he thinks like he sees the west and he he's sees even what's going on like with japan now and he's really worried that russia is going to kind of be left in the dust so he really wants to industrialize um and one of the big the big pushes for this is very ironic farming. because that's basically what the czarist regime did at the onset of like at the beginning of the ninth the right. 20th century it was like yeah they saw that a big fucking war was coming they saw all the, the the packs that were happening and they were like we have to basically fuck everybody to get the military machine up to code yeah yeah <laughs> And so that's essentially what he does. He fucks everybody, <laughs> um, especially I mean, with this collectivist farming. Um, he didn't fuck everybody. He fucked the kulaks for sure, which really is, fucked the as far as I'm concerned, a good thing. Like, that's the thing. That's the thing, too. But like, I don't mean to like keep defending this shit, but like the classic one is the exact like that tweet, that famous tweet where like, you know, people were talking about Chairman Mao and then that late that lady came on and she was like, she was like, yeah, like communists are dangerous. Like back when my grandparents lived in China, they had the monopoly on all eggs in China and then Mao drove them out. And all of a sudden you just get like hmm. blasted up to the top 
far left of the political spectrum and you're like, yeah, he should have parked a fucking tank outside their house and blown them away. That's what he should have. You know, it's just like the Kulaks. Like if you see, if you actually look at what happened with like Lenin and the Kulaks, it was just like, dude, why don't you just fucking get rid of them? Why don't you just fucking deal with these guys? They're basically, and it was whatever. And then Stalin was just like, no, I am going to fuck the Kulaks. Yeah, And like he did a bunch of other awful shit, but it's like, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just it's it's hard right. to completely write well, off everything he did. I wonder if his definition of the kulaks is the same because I feel like the definition <laughs> yeah. of what a kulak is changed once. Well, a kulak basically became a word for like any anyone I don't like. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't just these like overly rich farmers. It was like a farmer that had like an extra cow or or one cow even, <laughs> or who like, looked, or this. who looked at me yeah. wrong, or who looked or at my, one Jewish. of my daughters wrong, or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, he he kind of relabeled, uh, or used this term to like, yeah, basically anyone that that he he thought was you know opposed to his his authority or doing something against what he thought. Um, and so yeah, these the kulaks would have their land stolen, their livestock taken, they'd be thrown in the gulag or worse. Um, and yeah, as this is going on, Stalin's becoming ever more paranoid uh, about uh, just everyone around him essentially he thinks he thinks his generals he thinks people in the military he thinks his doctors are kind of uh plotting against him i mean um, was he wrong i don't think he was wrong was he wrong? i think they had good reason to plot against him but i don't think he was wrong and he had good was reason he wrong? to be paranoid exactly yeah totally i mean yeah. that's the problem yeah. with being a murderous son of a bitch is like people are going to be gunning for you people are going to come for you and then you have to do more murderous son of a bitch things yeah um exactly yeah call it the scarface syndrome oh, right and that's the other thing in his pictures you never see like his pock marks from poli no smallpox oh i mean i meant more like al pacino scarface because he had a scarred face but it's like that's what they always say is like he had like these horrible like scars from from polio or and like i don't see those in any of his portraits but yeah i didn't realize that's propaganda that was, for you that's, uh, that's you do he is i can't remember who he's played he's the by the original in, scarface um, right i can't remember who he's played by in um death of stalin but he he is he looks he looks like that he's got a, a scarred face and he's short he has okay. the one bad arm they actually do do that so yeah i have to check that out um yeah so <clears throat> Stalin is now rounding up like basically anyone he's got the slightest suspicion of um, citizens caught with just a handful of grain could be sent to the gulag or executed. Um, anyone that's in a position of power is probably fearing for their life because he's he's kind of cleaning house at this point. Um, but as we'll see, this causes huge problems because Russia is about to get into World War II, and Stalin has basically just locked up or executed all of his best farmers and military strategists. (laughs) Not going to be good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I kind of just gloss over it, but like, yeah, with the with the locking up of the kulaks and stuff, and the kind of move towards this um, communal farming, or not communal farming, um, collectivist farming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this this leads to one of the worst famines that's like ever been seen. Um, so like tens of millions of people die within within just like five years. Uh, the worst of which hit, I think, was probably Ukraine. Um, so yeah, just just horrible famine that was essentially 
um like created it didn't yeah. it didn't really have to happen he absolutely did, he did increase his his means of production in the end he he started like they started producing more but i mean took is a it big worth, dip there in the yeah, middle yeah yeah worth but... killing like 20 million people i don't know uh yeah he might think yeah, so that's crazy <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. The, the country did need to industrialize arguably <laughs> but yeah there's probably mm-hmm. a there's probably easier general circumstances like geopolitical and like regional circumstances in which to do that and also more humane approaches <laughs> to domestically so. roll yeah. out that program over a couple of decades i would um, think so some yeah scary shit yeah yeah like i i i honestly did not know that it was it was so horrible oh um, man yeah because yeah, that's brutal. a lot of death uh and yes yeah, so in 1939 Stalin he 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 signed this non-aggression pact with Germany I think I have Russia there but it's Germany um and in hindsight this might have been um a clever tactic by Hitler because just 2 years later in 1941 Germany invades Russia and totally catches them off guard they are totally unprepared Germany just sweeps through with their tanks and takes country or like province after province um Within just a week, the German forces advance all the way to Minsk and they take control of it. Uh, Stalin retreats to Moscow. Um, he feels broken. He's defeated. He's probably in the most vulnerable state uh, in his career, in his life. Um, and so when he goes to Moscow, he's kind of he kind of just leaves. He's, nobody knows if he's coming back um and so there's like a kind of another power vacuum but everyone's kind of at least the people at the top of the hierarchy are kind of afraid to make any decisions because it's like is Stalin going to come back if he comes back then I'm dead if I made a decision without consulting him type thing what if I'm wrong <laughs> yeah so so everyone's kind of paralyzed with fear once once Stalin goes to Moscow but eventually some of his generals uh go find him and, and confront him um but uh he's actually kind of afraid when this happens it's like yeah. he's like is this a coup are they are they here to kill me kind of like i've i've failed the country everything i've worked for has fallen apart like this is probably a coup this is probably it for me um and luckily he learned his lesson and he changed completely <laughs> exactly <right>? <laughs> exactly <laughs> That's that's where I was going to, uh, but no, of course not. They they're like, hey, come back, and everything's cool. Just just come back and lead us. We don't know what to do without you. And Essentially, is what they're like, saying. Uh, and and yeah, so he's like, of course I will. Of course you need me, and goes back and gets up to his old ways. Um, so he. As, as the war is kind of wrapping up, he's got no sympathy for prisoners of war. Um, any prisoners of war that re- return to the Soviet are immediately sent to the gulag. Um, and at one point, his Ooh, own son, time. like his, his firstborn son, Yakov, gets, gets captured. And, and Germany offers him like a trade. We'll trade, you, we'll trade you your son for some prisoners of war. And Stalin will trade you your son for a new ball for Hitler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know Stalin. you got him in the lab, Stalin. Give him to us. <laughs> no, no, Stalin is not having it. He he responds to them. He says, 
I have no son by that name. And they Oof. proceed to shoot and kill bap, Yakov. Bap, <laughs> so, yeah. Yakov. Just, so, just so Stalin's really giving his dad a run, a run for his money. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Um, like, what are you complaining about? Oh, you got shot in the head. My dad hit me with a shoe. Okay. <laughs> I he did. His dad, he did. He made those shoes. Just <laughs> to hit him he with made. it. <laughs> he makes his own weapons. Um, but yeah, the <clears throat> the the good thing that he does do is um, he does ally himself with the West, as we know. And yeah, he's fucking pissed that Hitler was like, hey, let's be non-aggression buddies. And then was oh, like, man. nah, just kidding. He's like, wouldn't you be aggressive. pissed? <laughs> yeah, I would be pissed too. I hate it when people do that in risk. Yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah. worst. <laughs> but that's the only way the game ends. I know, right? So Hitler, smart move. Nice knew. play there. Yeah, yeah. He knows his risk. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, so 1945, um, the war kind of took a great toll on Russia. Pretty big toll. 25 million lives lost. Stalin. He Stalin's just like, thank God that's more than my famine. That's the important. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Finally, something to overshadow my famine numbers. Uh, but but he he vows that that Russia or the Soviet will, will never be this vulnerable again. And for the rest of his rule, he you see the kind of like the fall of the Iron Curtain. Um, Russia kind of is gets more isolationist. Uh, they develop their nuclear arsenal, and and that kind of leads into the Cold War. Uh, yeah, and in 1953, I'm gonna uh, say that the U.S. had a hand in that too. I'm just gonna say that for the record, they did. But I mean, oh, like with the Cold War, is that what you're talking about? Or the U.S.'s response to I mean, Russia. it was they were. I mean, who? I guess it's like hard to say who was really starting to develop the atomic bomb first, but it was kind oh, of was, the United States. I'm pretty sure the United States did. No, because the United States feared that Russia would, as soon as they found out about it, they feared that Russia would do it, which they probably were because it was Stalin. He was like, "Oh, you have a new way to kill more yeah, people." As soon as he saw Fuck that yeah. shit, he was like, "Yes, you can kill 25 million people in one go." <laughs> Fuck yeah. A whole famine or a whole World War II in just one bomb? Jesus Christ. Do Jesus. tell. Stop, stop. I can only get so erect. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's spread this out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, 1953, he suffers a stroke, uh, which would lead to his death. And uh, I want to include this because, uh, like, that his funeral was huge. Is tended by, like, I think maybe hundreds of thousands um and historians describe it as a orgy of grief because they the best kind of on. orgy yeah the grief orgy the grief orgy yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> sign me up Cheers. Uh, i think we just figured out what this week's sketch will be or this this episode's sketch <laughs> will orgy be. Of grief. the grief orgy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope you guys guys like crying and orgasming at the same time. (laughs) It's the only way I can orgasm. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's one of the best scenes in the death of Stalin is like 
this the the peasants start filing into moscow to pay their respects and those soldiers start freaking out because they think it's a counter-revolution <laughs> or like and then like and then it's just like traffic gets blocked because all these people are like filing through to see his body and stuff like that and it's just really fucking good i'm, I'm gonna go watch that movie. yeah i gotta i gotta watch that it's so I, great you're the like, we'll do a bonus episode about it. it at some point nice only on the uh, Patreon. subscribe 5.99 a month it's nice. coming soon. But get it going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's like, basically Stalin. Juicy dude. Um, that's basically Stalin. Yeah. An orgy of grief. That's like a good that's a good way to sum up that dude's life. <laughs> I hope that's his on last, his tombstone. His last solo album. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, Joseph. Orgy Joseph, of grief. Of grief. <laughs> um, trying some new things, you know. We are getting the 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 Balkan instruments in there. It's really nice. Title track. track. Yeah. <laughs> Years of the peasants. <laughs> this one, this one goes out to the peasants. I cry for you too. <laughs> yeah, the, I was going to say the the really interesting thing that I I probably took away from doing research on this is the like because what Stalin achieved at the end that wasn't communism. That ding, was ding, like, dude, you gotta be careful. Ding, ding, we're gonna, ding, ding, we're gonna get some. We're gonna. This is. That's this is the thing. But that's what everyone. That's what everyone equates with communism, and it's just because Stalinism, like, and then the West propaganda machine is like, oh, oh this totally. is com- this like, is communism. Yeah, we can't time. let this happen, but it's not. And so many people still think that it is that what Stalin achieved is what the epitome of communism is trying yeah. to be. Yeah. I mean, the ironic Everybody thing dead, is, equally like, dead. Yeah. you know, they just did those studies that basically say like people who are old enough to remember the Soviet Union and Russia now are like, it was actually kind of better because like now we just have all the bad parts of it. Like they still have a brutal repressive state apparatus. They still have fake elections. They still have like shitty falling apart infrastructure, but they now they don't even get bread lines. Like, you know, like that was the thing. It's like, wow. I yeah. like saying like Russia is like Russia was not better under Stalin than it was under like uh, uh, Putin or uh, whatever those other guys' names were. I can't remember that now, but like, arguably it wasn't worse <laughs> yeah who was that one man yeah who's gorbachev gorbachev, gorbachev. yeah yeltsin. yeltsin yeah 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 uh khrushchev you already said um, brezhnev was my brezhnev. favorite guy yeah. with the eyebrows it looks like well yeah i he don't could know have what... fucked frida Kahlo for sure they would have been, <laughs> been to it <laughs> No, I yeah. think like I think like Stalin is like the I think the the most interesting one is like Martov just kind of like fucked off into exile and then like he got sick and like yeah like Lenin was like hey can you in 1922 he was like can you send some money to Martov and Stalin was like nah and then he just died in exile in Germany like yeah you know, would, it would like, have been interesting to see how it would have played out if Martov was in a more prominent position. Totally, totally. Post-revolution. Yeah. It also would have been interesting to see what would happen if Trotsky maintained profile in I mean, the Communist Party yeah. after Lenin's death. Well, the thing um, was, too, like, we didn't kind of get into it, but, like, they, they did try. They did. I don't think they tried it very hard. But like they did try the theory of international of, of permanent revolution a little bit with Germany and it kind of didn't work. And then they were kind of put on their back heels for a bit. 
Mm. Like, I think that I, I don't, I don't want to say it's really permanent revolution. Cause that was much more about like seeing this thing happen in Germany and sort of like giving them money and stuff or whatever right. material support, material support. In, in opposition for sure. And they kept doing that. Like they never stopped doing that even after Stalin was gone or whatever. Right. Like, I just think like, I obviously it became a different thing and like, it just became clear that the like capitalist propaganda machine was doing a really good job of being like, Oh, communism. It's so gray and boring. And then they shoot you. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to look at, at what happened and be like, and again, like, it's like the material, once you become a, like, sort of like a materialist or a historic, look at historical materialism, it's like, all of a sudden it's like, I mean, I don't mean to be a fucking piece of shit about it, but it's like, what, what, what could they have done? What could they have done once Germany didn't was split into two and like half of it was capitalist and it became this weird fucked up like metaphor for the entire cold war or whatever. I don't know. It's just. Oh yeah. yeah and so heavily politicized mm-hmm. and, and so heavily invested in by the Western powers, yeah. by the Western mm-hmm. like liberal democracies who saw the capitalist um line as one that everybody needed to toe yeah totally and to the exclusion of any other ideas Mm -hmm. and i don't know that you know i don't know i it's it's hard to say how actual existing socialism or communism would pan out because it can can never work in a vacuum right yeah exactly. so it's always going to be uh besieged and right. so there's there's never going to be a case where you know a Cuba or a China or a Russia or you know a Vietnam or whatever right. is going to be able to kind of stretch its legs as well, um, and like as an actual mm-hmm. socialist state totally yeah because yeah. that's not the world that we live in well and like not only that it's like even Russia Russia wasn't Russia was a, a sort of colonist power in a sense they were definitely oh, yeah. sort of like on the wane much faster than most of the other colonial powers but even still like their people were brutalized like in a way like in a way that is not 100% comparable because obviously there wasn't the system of white supremacy over top all of them and like they weren't seen as sort of like a complete like not even human but like they were brutalized in a way that colonial subjects kind of like to a certain extent more so than like say your average western democracy was like what like in france or whatever where they had a few more rights and you know people could become bourgeois or whatever if they did made the right moves and got lucky um but then you look at places like china or like you know like the pan-african movement and all that stuff and like you know you read a little france fanon and then you look at cuba and you're like it's just not comparable to like what we're going through at all. Right. Like if there was a socialist revolution here, it would be just, it would have to be so different from a socialist revolution in, in a colonized country or whatever. It just would. And we can't, we can't really judge them for how that all went down in a, in the same way, because like we weren't under the colonial boot either. No, exactly. It's like such a different thing in China and in, in, um, uh what was the what was nkrumah's country and all the and like all those all the different uh uh, like like sankara right it's the same thing it's like yeah he kind of like pissed everybody off and then they all murdered him they all turned on him or whatever but at the same time like he was trying to he was actually trying to make the people equal to the rich people and he just pissed off the people that had access to guns right Uh, i don't know it's just that's Mm -hmm. a oversimplification but yeah it's like there there's a reason stalin was paranoid and it wasn't he wasn't wrong 
It's because it's messy. It's because grabbing power and holding power is never going to be mm-hmm. clean totally. and straightforward. Yeah. And I think that that compounded with human like vulnerability and human weakness mm-hmm. and human corruptibility and et cetera, et cetera, and trauma and whatever has led to this human or this group of humans or whatever um, to where they are at this point you know, they have to, they have to survive and live in the real world with the threats that are facing them Yeah, totally. and react to the fear and to the paranoia and to the inspiration and to the whatever. Mm-hmm. And who knows, you know, like maybe this guy had the best idea um, or the best intentions and he was led to these actions by desperation or by necessity of the circumstance or maybe the circumstance was less um combative than it's made out to be which is probably pretty doubtful and this guy was just a really terrible person the truth is somewhere in between and all of those things but it's not like we're ever going to find a circumstance anywhere where it's just a straightforward thing of like, oh yeah, clear cut revolution, no problems. Yeah, a couple, a couple of the opposition died, and uh, we're we're you know we got the green light to move ahead with this socialist experiment. And, totally, um, yeah. You know, like it's just not going to happen like that. Um, yeah, and I think it's gonna like every time it happens, it's gonna be messy, and we're like even like what's going on in the states with the DSA and like other organizations is its own messy thing oh, f- that doesn't have easy answers, right? Oh, for sure, and I think that. You know, a big thing, because Wes, he started this, um, this kind of like rumination or whatever with your reflection on looking into this. Um, And from my point, uh, for my part, I I definitely reflected on the fact that, you know, it's um, the type of division and um, like, I guess, I guess radicalization. Um, on either side, but particularly like right-wing extremism and white supremacist kind of radicalization in America in particular, but that you can find strains of in Eastern Europe, in Western Europe, across Europe, frankly, and that is that exists around the world in different um, areas, especially where there are like Anglo or like European-influenced countries like this the threat of like white supremacism and and right wing extremism has a similar t- kind of tone to it as yeah, I think maybe totally. you know someone like Trotsky was responding to in his in the flags that he was raising at that point. Um, like there is something coming down the fucking pipe here that's going to be something that we haven't seen before, like a really gnarly. Like mm-hmm. reckon, reckoning within some of these cultures and some of these countries of the fact that, you know, America, unfortunately, doesn't belong just to white people. Um, Canada, Canada is not a country that just belongs to white people. Yeah. The, the you know, the as much as you might want something like that to be the case. Uh, and I don't associate with anybody who does, but there are definitely a lot of people out there who do. Um that's not realistic. (laughs) That's not the way the world is going to progress. That's not the way the world is going to work in the future. Um, But at the other side, there's a whole lot of conditioning and like propagandization against anti-fascism 
against socialism, against communal, um, I guess, orientation of society. Yeah, that is going to cause people. A lot of people are going to get caught in the middle of of something like this as it as it comes to a head, and it's going to be really, really interesting. The next few decades are going to be something else. Um, well, not yeah, that the last the, few decades haven't been, but you know what I mean? Like things are cresting. We have to talk about the climate crisis. We can't, we have, we have basically 10 years at best, you know, we have 10 years to fix this and it's not going to happen with elections. It's like as much as I would love it to, you know, as much as I would love it to just be, if we get a couple more Bernie's or AOC's or whoever fucking, no. or like even like we, we finally elect a fucking Lenin, right? It's like, no, no. Yeah someone's going to have to like hold an oil executive hostage to get shit done or so I'm not condoning that. We do not the hypothetically someone might right. have to spike trees or blow up an oil refinery power and do something to make, make or, right. and it's not going to be like the green fucking energy companies that sell solar panels. It's going to be like someone taking land back and declaring, hey, we had we've had this land centuries before you had, and we're gonna do a fucking we're gonna do green energy on it, and we'd call on everyone to fucking hold the line while we build enough green energy that the the oil refineries can be shut down or whatever, right? Whatever, right. and it's gonna yeah. be messy and it's gonna be ugly, and you know what about the 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 cops? Like if you really are truly believe that the cops are dangerous to people of color, especially black and indigenous people. Why aren't you filming them every time they're out? Why aren't you putting your white body between them? And I'm not saying that's the only solution, but like sometimes you're going to have to take a nightstick to the face to protect more vulnerable people from the cops or whatever. Right. And it's like, or yeah, you might have to shove a cop who falls down and hurts themselves. And then you go to jail or whatever. Right. I'm not, again, all hypothetical, all not condoning this behavior or saying it is legal or you should do it, but sometimes illegal things have to happen for society to change for the better. Yeah. So it's like the, the whatever happens in the next 10 years is going to be very messy and there's going to be people at the center of it who, you know, people talk about like they talk about Stalin or Lenin or even Martov and you know, you kind of got to decide, well, is it worse to be the guy who was a coward and couldn't make a decision? Or is it worse to be the guy who made a decision? And was bold and then gets, and then argued, gets argued about for yeah. the rest of history. Or at and least then gets, the next it's an extra long <laughs> podcast. And episode. that's, it's true. <laughs> but those are, those make the, like, those are my favorite second bananas. Totally. Or like just yeah. people throughout history is like the people that they do what, they feel needs to be done to make a situation better and they know they're going to get shit on because it's unpopular and they know that they're never going to see the fruits of their labor but then you know decades later yeah you see the impact that these people had and how how much they changed the world from the better and it's just like yeah it's it's so sad to see that those people never get to see like yeah. how how much of an impact they had, how much they changed the world. And yeah. I think I think if there's one thing you can take from all these guys, Martov, Lenin, Trotsky, Stalin, like the one thing you can take and you can totally admire them all for is they they were like, we need to change the world. We need to do it now. And this is how I think we should do it. And I will not apologize or back down for that. And I and I will state my position and I will, at least to a certain extent, like especially with Lenin and Martov and Trotsky, they were like, 
I don't agree with you and I'm going to come to your face and I'm going to fucking say that and I'm going to tell you what I think we should do and I'm going to argue with you and fight you on it every step of the way. And I am going to do what I think is right. And I think there is something admirable about that that we really don't have today where there's just so much concern over like getting the message right and getting the whatever right and being being like palatable to the average whoever mass appeal instead of being Mm. like no this is what's right this is what we have to do and you don't have to like it but i'm gonna tell you that and i don't care what your reaction is even if your reaction is to throw me in jail we need more people like that these days and you know sometimes i wish i was more like that and i'm striving to be more like that in what i do especially in my politics and in my activism and my organizing and i hope that more people do it even if I don't entirely agree with them. And even if we're going to have a big fight over it or whatever, as long as we can sort of, you know, that anytime they agreed on something, they set all those differences aside and they did it, you know? So that was, that was the other thing. And I, I'm totally down to do that, but it takes a lot. It takes a lot to do that. So. And the action that that inspired, um, you know, the ripples throughout society in the world and workers movements and labor movements and you know like arguably without the russian revolution uh without other uh socialist revolutions there would be there would have never been the same push for the limits to the work the hours of the working day the limits to that to the days of the working week the limits to child labor yeah the health and safety the all all of the protections that workers have um are kind of have sprouted from the seed that was planted in those moments um and and in and in similar moments in in the past and because of the bold steps that those people took other people uh, the opposite side of the fucking planet who have nothing to do with those people except maybe a shared idea and maybe not even that but just an understanding that organizing and consolidating your power and pinching the points that are the most painful to the people with power and if possible seizing that power is the only way of progressing in terms of the material conditions improving for the average person in all of our countries in in, in every single country and every every human on the planet who who works to earn what they have from day to day these are these are huge moments that while when when translated into state politics and the like that whole realm it gets messy and it gets weird and everyone can debate it until the end of the earth but the bottom line is is there are some real actual like material changes that took place as a result of the ripples that these events yeah. sent through yeah. our, our planet and i i completely agree joe there there needs to be bold action um, I think that the climate crisis in particular is something that's going to come. It's not going to crest and crash and be a cataclysmic instant. It's going to be a slow, dragging, burning, festering yeah. Yeah. shittiness that's going to just ratchet up the pressure on everyone. Mm-hmm. And the more people feel pressure, the more fear they feel, the more paranoid they feel, the mm-hmm. more protective, the more insulated the more xenophobic, et cetera. Well, mm-hmm. And exactly. the reactions to those things exactly. are going to be scary. And, and, and that's, what yeah. we need to, that's what we need the bold action against or in, in anticipation of. Well, it's like you said, like Trotsky predicted the rise of the fascists. You know, he was there, he was seeing it. 
And now people are already predicting that the next step for conservative movements is eco-fascism, eco-nationalism and borders and being like, we can't let those people whose country is now a desert in because they're bad and they will take our arable land and we need to protect that land and we need to keep it beautiful and clean and green with the blood of those people. We need to water the soil with the blood of these people. And all of a sudden, what the fuck are they saying? That's all of a sudden they're spouting Nazi shit with like a fucking green paint over it. It's like Mm. a green swastika. And are we ready to slap again? If we can't reason with those people, we have to start introducing their heads to concrete. It's that, mm. you know, the, the, the thing that shut Richard Spencer down was he got punched in the face on camera. It, it didn't kill him. It embarrassed him and it scared the fuck out of him. Yeah, he him stopped himself. making appearances and he became a laughing stock. And again, same with the milkshakes thing at wherever it was, right? Like the people like Nigel Farage gets hit by a milkshake. All of a sudden, Boris Johnson surges, surges ahead of him in the polls. It doesn't necessarily take a fucking 10 million person famine to keep the fascists out or a 25 million people to die. It takes the right person getting a good solid sock to the jaw or just getting fucking embarrassed. Did you see see the dude that bitch slapped Macron over the weekend? No, what? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Emmanuel Macron took a real hard bitch slap to the Uh, face. Yeah, I did see that clip. That's the bold action we at Second Bananas are fucking calling for. Leave it to the French. Leave it to the French. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Leading from the front. Oh, great 25th episode, guys. I got to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good stuff. Dare I say potentially a two-part? Yeah, we might. I think this could be a two-parter. We yeah. might have to split it. It'll be it'll be good, maybe to split. Yeah, so, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll find. I'll probably find a good spot to. We do have some some breaks in this one, so it's not yeah, going to totally. be like I have to struggle to find a good edit point to break it. So I think mm-hmm. this could be a two-parter. Okay, cool. Well, give us a little more breathing room. And if it's not, then enjoy this extra long episode. Thank you for listening to this probably three and a half hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah Yeah, we're gonna do 25 more before you know it so uh stay tuned for more second bananas uh you can follow us at to the number two bananas pod on twitter and instagram uh, or email us second the word second bananas pod at gmail.com please give us some five star ratings and reviews on itunes it really helps and stay tuned for the patreon and all that shit coming soon Uh, There will be a sketch coming out next week on Tuesday. I will get ahead of that schedule and we will no longer have delayed episodes, I promise. You can also follow me at StopJoeNow on Twitter and Instagram. Guys, where can people find you? You can follow me. I'm on Twitter at W2Dubs and Instagram at Wes Walcott. And you can follow me to the park after work for a cold brewski. Oh, shit. I'm going to cheeky spliff if you're lucky. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thanks, all.